Captains, it's not often that Priority One deviates from its regularly scheduled programming. Unfortunately, two recent tragedies have occurred, and it is our responsibility, as fellow humans, to use this platform to try and encourage change. In the wake of Hurricane Maria, millions of our fellow Americans are struggling to survive on the island of Puerto Rico. American or not, fellow humans are in danger of losing their lives. Please consider donating to Unidos, a hurricane relief fund for Hurricane Maria victims in Puerto Rico, as well as the Dominican Republic. If that wasn't enough, nearly 60 people lost their lives and hundreds of others wounded in a senseless act of domestic terrorism. Why has this become the norm? Why do our children need to have active shooter drills? Captains, we need some sort of reform. What sort of change or reform should happen? Well, this show isn't the place for that type of discussion. However, you can support the victims of this horrendous act of domestic terrorism by donating to a GoFundMe page put together by Stephen Sisolak, Clark County Commission Chair from Las Vegas. Captains, if we ever hope to envision a world that more closely resembles that of Star Trek, then we need to act. If you can't donate money, consider donating time. If you don't have time, then influence your friends and family. We are just one person, each of us. But together, we can be a Starfleet. Remember, Captains, links to both relief efforts will be in the show notes for this episode. Please click and donate, or at least share it with your friends. Live long and prosper. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 337 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, and your weekly report on all things Star Trek, recorded live on Tuesday, October 3rd, 2017, and available for download or streaming on Friday, October 6th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kenna. And I'm Tony. And in our audio booth is our audio engineer... Quintus. Howdy doody. All right, Kenna, why don't you tell us what we've got coming up this week? Well, this week we check out the latest viewing figures for Star Trek Discovery, some Star Trek episodes that never were, and where you can get your hands on a screen-accurate Star Trek Discovery uniform, if you have the cash. In Star Trek Online and gaming news, we want your first impressions of Season 14 Emergence, and I'm interviewing the team at Star Trek Timelines about new Discovery content in-game. Then it's the return of On Screen. We recap Season 1, Episode 3 of Star Trek Discovery, titled Context is for Kings. And as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Captains, you know we love to hear from you between episodes, so please reach out to us. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. We're on Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can even send an email via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Keep the conversation going. We love to hear from you. Captains, over the last seven years, we have always ended our show with the following. Without you, none of this would be possible. And that is so very true. 
And so many of you are patrons, and we are so very grateful for your ongoing financial support. But Captains, we've been missing our monthly goals a little bit, so we need your help. We are now offering some new content for you to download at our $10 level, including a weekly review of Star Trek Discovery with featured guests like Star Trek Online's Al Captain Gecko Rivera and a fan favorite and an old friend, James Lee. So if you're interested in this content, please consider becoming a patron by visiting us over at patreon.com forward slash priority one. Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. From time to time, we come across memos, outlines, and proposals for episodes or feature-length films of Star Trek that never made it past the page. In a September 27th article, Vulture.com writer Sarah Caldwell dug deep into some of those untold stories by writers who are seeing significant success nowadays. For instance, Jose Molina, who's written for Firefly, The Tick, Agent Carter, and Sleepy Hollow, once pitched a TNG episode titled Endangered Species, where Data's evil brother, Lore, is so overwhelmed by his emotions that he asks Data to essentially assist him with a suicide. Data helps Lore find new purpose with his life, and it ends with Data destroying his own emotion chip for fear of succumbing to the same symptoms that his brother did. Now, several other notable television writers and their stories are listed, so if you are curious about the stories that might have been, be sure to check out the article. Links, of course, will be in the show notes. You know what amazes me is that these kind of stories just keep coming. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that uh, TNG in particular had that open open pitch script policy that anybody could right, pitch yeah. a script to the writers. Um, and I think some, some really great episodes came out of that. Not that I can name any of them off the top of my head, but um, it started the careers of quite a few writers as well. Um, what amazes me is that 30 years later, we still are getting things that are a bit of a revelation that we that we didn't know about before. And that's what's amazing. So the nice thing about reading an article like this is that Star Trek Online offers you the opportunity of bringing some of these stories to life. So for you intrepid foundry authors out there that want to expand on these universes... You may want to try to get some inspiration by reading some of these scripts and bringing them to life and then even reaching out to those writers themselves and say, hey, listen, I read this article and did my best to bring it to life in Star Trek Online. You should check it out. And that brings us to our first community question. After reading through some of the potential stories, which do you think could have made for great television or maybe which could work in Star Trek Online? So moving on now to Discovery News. Last week, we shared a few numbers about the Discovery premiere, and now Variety has a few new numbers to share as well. According to Todd Spangler, in an article posted on September 26th, when Star Trek Discovery debuted on Sunday the 24th, downloads of the CBS mobile app shot up 64%. These numbers come from Sensor Tower, an app analytics firm. But the app still lags behind some notable competition. First-time downloads of the app from the Google Play Store and Apple's App Store topped out at 46,000 for the series premiere, compared to HBO's app, which had 171,000 new installs when Game of Thrones premiered back in July. In other numbers, TrekMovie.com reports that in Canada, Bell Media released the ratings for the first two episodes of Star Trek Discovery. According to Bell, Discovery, quote, 
delivered the most watched series audience ever on Canadian specialty TV, end quote. How many watched? Well, combined with CTV, the first hour brought in a combined 2.2 million viewers. TrekMovie.com also reported this week that there's been a slight change to how Discovery will be split over the holiday season. Previously, the first half of the series was due to finish on the 5th of November, after eight episodes. But it's been revealed that instead, the first nine episodes will air before the mid-season break, finishing on November 12th. The series is then expected to pick up again in late January with the final six episodes. I hate mid-season breaks, man. Yes, agreed. That wasn't all the news from TrekMovie.com, though. They also revealed that at the Hollywood premiere of Star Trek Discovery back in September, producers Aaron Harberts and Gretchen J. Berg revealed to them that Amanda Grayson, a.k.a. Spock's mommy, will be played by actress Mia Kirshner. She'll be known to TV audiences for previous recurring roles in 24, The L Word, and The Vampire Diaries. And finally, in fashion news today, Star Trek Online isn't the only place where you can get a Star Trek Discovery uniform. Anovos, often hailed as the premier location to get quality and screen-accurate cosplay, is now taking orders for their Discovery replica uniforms. But these puppies are going to set you back 500 bucks, though, so start saving. So here's the thing about Anovos is I... Is it when they first came out with their with their uniforms, right? It was like, mm. oh man, these are look how amazing these are. They're so screen accurate. But I feel like ordering from a Novos is, can be hit or miss sometimes. Like I've I've heard a lot of pretty significant horror stories that people either don't ever get their uniform or it takes forever, and their customer service is hit or miss sometimes. So for the cost of of the uniform versus going to someone else i mm-hmm. i you know i don't know that I, I don't know that i'm ready to spend 500 i have that star trek online jacket that i'm really happy with and i paid 150 bucks for that yeah not from a not from a <laughs> right yeah no not from uh, a uh, licensed fair, cbs manufacturer right right either i just feel like they're a little their prices are just a little at this point it's like man you might want to bring it down from 500 to maybe 300 350 I think 500 is asking for a lot, especially when there's a lot of this kind of back and forth with their customer service and delays and shipping and all that jazz. Having said that, though, when when I've known people at the conventions, for instance, I'm just thinking actually specifically the TOS, um, the women's dresses from TOS um, that I've seen. The I, I've never seen any costumes that match the quality of Anovos, and the people that I know that have had them have had them for years, and they've lasted. And even though they were very expensive, um, you know, for a little <clears throat> mini dress, they, they'll last for years. They'll last for the lifetime of the dress. So it's because well, uh, you only wear them once or twice a year. Well, yeah, exactly. But they're still, you know, they go through um, a lot of activity during those couple of times that you wear them. I don't know. I've never owned anything from Anovos myself, so I can't say. I, 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 I definitely know what you're saying because I, it's not that their quality is unimpressive or that they lack quality in any way, shape or form. Um, because every time I see them and I see somebody wearing them, it's, it is very, very impressive. But not for nothing, I've had that stow jacket for what? three years four years now mm-hmm. i wear it several times a year for one yeah. thing or another and it's held up pretty well y- you know what you know what needs to happen now no tell us kenna 
Anovos des- de- definitely needs to send us a, a, a discovery uniform to test. That's totally, they a need good to point. send samples. They need to send us. I would, samples. I would gladly sacrifice yes. myself for that. So will I. So I will wear it yeah. every day. Every day. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I would. Yep. Samples. We need. We need samples. Hmm. I have a monster maroon, but I don't have an Anovos monster maroon. Mine is a hand sewn one, so it's got. Nice wool and a really great satin interior, so I really needed an Anovos Monster Maroon uh, tailored to my size so I can compare. Right. I think that would be the best test possible. I think that would be good. They should definitely do that. It's only twenty five hundred bucks or so, so I think they should get on that on that stake right now, just as soon as, as soon as possible. Well, captains, that wraps up our roundup of the news from the Star Trek multiverse for this week. Now let's find out what happened in Star Trek Online news. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, Captains, welcome to Star Trek Online and Gaming News, where we're bringing you up to speed on the best of Star Trek gaming. This week, we've got an interview with the developers of Star Trek Timelines, introducing some brand new content that ties in with Discovery. But first, I'll take you through some of the big changes in Star Trek Online this week and what you can expect this weekend. This week was the launch of Season 14 Escalation and all the goodies that come with it, including a new featured episode starring LeVar Burton, a new fleet holding, new cues, and more. We'll take a deeper look into the new season in next week's Priority One, and we want to hear some of your feedback too. So that brings us to this week's community question. What are your first impressions of Season 14 Emergence in Star Trek Online? Where do you think the story is going next? You can email us at incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com or reply to one of our social media posts. We're on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast or on Twitter at PriorityOnePod. Speaking of the new season, don't forget that each week of the new featured episode, Playing It Through grants you a choice of either a universal tech upgrade or a specialization point, so you'll definitely want to get to that this weekend. You can also collect pieces towards the incontrovertible defenses set. This week's piece is the preeminent core. One more little thing to note before we get to Winters' top tip. The Phoenix Prize Pack is back for a limited time, just this weekend, now through Tuesday, October 10th at 10am Pacific. You can purchase a prize pack from the Dilithium store, or from the vendors Grim on Drozana Station, or Ana on Deep Space Nine. The prize pack has a chance to reward you with a variety of prizes from previous year's special events. For example, the Tier 5 Ryzean Luxury Cruiser or the Tier 6 Ferengi Nandi Warship. There are also special duty officers, emotes, and vanity pets too. And now, as promised, here's Winters with his weekly top tip. In an effort to lend a hand to new players or even surprise the most veteran captains in Star Trek Online, here's my weekly top tip. This week I'm going to talk to you about a little trick you may be able to use to help you to get some easy fleet credits. Assuming that your fleet runs the Coordinate Colonization Efforts Project on your Starbase holding, you will notice that it requires 64 civilian duty officers. Now if you take advantage of the Admiralty system, you will know that running missions in the Federation campaign will often reward you with colonists. 
Running missions in the Klingon campaign will often reward you with prisoners, and running missions in the Ferengi campaign will sometimes reward you traitors. All of these types of duty officers come under the civilian category, and contributing them to this particular project will reward you with 250 fleet credits per duty officer. Obviously you can see how valuable it is to regularly run Admiralty missions and how you can earn some easy fleet credits from the rewards you get. I will point out again though that you can only take advantage of this if your fleet runs the Coordinate Colonization Efforts project on your starbase, and you need to be running missions regularly in the Admiralty system. For more information we will leave a link in the show notes at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO337. And now, Captains, we've got a couple of really special guests on to talk about Star Trek Timelines. Now, this is a game that's gone from strength to strength this year and growing at a really great pace. If you haven't already trekked it out, I highly recommend that you do so, especially now that you can cross-play across mobile devices, Facebook, and Steam. Here to talk to us today about the release of version 3.0 and brand new Discovery content our product owner, Aaron Prince, and lead game designer, Michael Woods. Security clearance level 3 or above is required to access files. This is Captain Benjamin Sisko. Authorization, Sisko Alpha 1 Alpha. Logs accessed. Aaron, Mike, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate you joining us here on Priority One. Uh, how, how have things been since the last time we talked? Oh, exciting. There's been so much going on, Kenna. I can't believe that we've done so much in such a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> l- uh, last time last time I spoke to the team, that was, that was back at STLV at the beginning of August. Um, we knew that some big things were coming down the pipeline, uh, and, the, and in the past two weeks, you've had some really big new releases. So we're going to talk about Discovery in just a minute, uh, but I was hoping first that you could take us through a few of the new features that have come out in Timelines version 3.0. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we launched our exciting new Voyages feature, so uh, players are able to select uh, one of their uh, ships and a, uh, man it with their own crew um, and send it off into um, you know, a cool experience of uh, discovering new content. Um, uh, the, the, the ship and its crew will face different challenges over time mm-hmm. uh, and will collect rewards. And um, some of the rewards are pretty unique and rare. Um, uh, and uh, they'll be doing Star, you know, Star Trek things when they're on this voyage. And you'll get a cool captain's log that you'll get to review, uh, share with your friends. And yeah. Uh, that's really cool. So that is something that you you play just within your profile, um, and it, you just you send your people off to go and do something, and then they report back at the end. Correct. Yeah. The uh, the, the the voyage will go on um, as long as it has uh, antimatter, and mm-hmm. um, that which decrements down when you uh, when you fail certain challenges or goes up when you succeed at them. Okay. Uh, you with uh, with dilemmas where um, you, you'll have to make a decision uh, between a couple uh, couple different options, um, and some of those can even lead to unique rewards or even future dilemmas in the same voyage. Okay, because that was going to be my question: was um, what what kind of rewards is this driving? Is this just it's another tool to help you increase in the game, or is it uh, primarily for an extra piece of gameplay that you can do? It is an extra piece of gameplay, but it still reinforces that fun piece of collecting and building up the crew that you already have. Some right. of my favorite things to get from Voyages, I get chronotons and replicator rations nice. and even new crew. 
uh, show up surprisingly throughout the voyage, which it's great because then you take a screenshot of your rewards and you go and show all your friends all the cool stuff that you got yeah. and the hilarious things that happen in the voyage. Like somehow Nog always beats Jadzia at Domjot in my <laughs> voyage. And I'm nice. like, hmm, that's impressive. <laughs> go, Nog. Yeah, nice one. Um, okay, so uh, beyond the, the new Voyages feature, what else have we got going on in version 3.0? So some of the things that we were uh, happy to get going were, so you saw star bases that came out before that, mm -hmm. and people are getting even more involved with that now. Yeah. Uh, and we changed up the ship battle UI to get people a little more focused on the awesome graphics there of the ships. Yeah. And that has been really fun because we also changed up the reward structure for PvP. Okay. Yep. We, those, those, the rewards have gotten a bit stale on there, and um, uh, the, the battle arena had, um, you know, it's, it's been a favorite of, um, of a number of our players for a long time. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting to see. I still go on to Reddit occasionally and see players posting that they, you know, reached rank one in all three divisions, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we went through and we, uh, we, we, we had released a few unique ships over the last few months, um, and so we, uh, we added some of those as. Um, rewards for climbing the leaderboards um, for the for the battle arena. Excellent, fantastic, and um, these improvements that you that you're talking about in in the new version now, are, because you're on a number of platforms, are, are these available to all the platforms at the same time? So whether you're on Steam or Facebook or iOS, Android. So the way that that works is we'll release to uh, everyone at the same time. Because app stores and things take a little while to update, it can be as much as a day before something shows up on all the platforms mm -hmm. that you download it. But it's all really close together, so we're okay. not holding things back from any platform. Uh, so usually within about 24 hours, everybody can go get it. Okay, and these are all these are all live now, aren't they? Absolutely. The new changes, excellent. Yep, play on any platform now, and of course that's a shared experience, so you can always take it from Steam to mobile over to Facebook. Mm -hmm. Now Voyages, you really don't ever need to turn the game off, and it will always be telling you a story. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's kind of amazing actually to think about, this game that's sort of always ongoing wherever you are. That's kind of impressive. I think that's one of the original visions for, mm. you know, Disruptor Beam and Star Trek Timelines was that we always wanted to kind of, you know, capture the universe and allow players to have their own stories, you know, kind of played out in there. And, you know, you're, you're able to collect your own crew from all the different, you know, your different fan favorites, uh, you know, in all the different series. Um, Voyages is just another way to kind of celebrate that and mm -hmm. to, you know, to be able to use them in interesting ways and, and, you know, and sometimes make the, you know, the dream, uh, the, the dream crew kind of come all together on your favorite ship. Let's get into uh, probably what I think is the most exciting thing that you guys have uh, released in the last uh, couple of weeks, which is new discovery content. So I know, um, I mean, first of all, let's just talk about the show for a little bit. Have you been watching it so far? Wait. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> this is a dumb question, I realize, but um, wh what are your first impressions? I mean, did you guys get, did you guys get like early access to what was going to happen? We had some ideas of what was going to be coming, but our team as a whole has been gathering as this is coming out and watching it. In fact, uh, we just watched Sunday's episode over right. lunch as a big group. We all get together <laughs> and pop popcorn and 
see the episode and laugh right along as we find out that uh, they have some really uh, witty insults on this show. Mm. He's shushing me. <laughs> oh my god, that was that, that's got to be the best part of that episode. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, I mean, some of us have watched it already about two or three times. You know, like as we watched it at lunch. But I, I mean, it's 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 awesome working here at Disturbed Beam, where um, you know Aaron, as product owner, has carved out time for our team to sit down and enjoy and watch the show. And you know, we we want to be authentic, and um, we you know even. While we didn't have, um, you know, we, we, we didn't get to see the shows previously, you know, mm -hmm. we have been changing things on the characters to make them as authentic as possible, uh, as, 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 as close to shipping the characters out as possible. Because yes. mm -hmm. we, we, we take pride in that. Yeah, and I, I do, I want to get into uh, that piece of it uh, a little bit later, but first I just want to talk about, uh, talk to me about the, the content, the discovery content that's available in game now, and the stuff that um, was coming out uh, in preparation for, well, what's coming up this weekend. Ah, uh, yes. So, Michael Burnham, uh, her legendary version is already available, and we just put out the Xinjiang. So you can go get this amazing ship in-game right now. Uh, also, we provided a Lieutenant Commander Saru to everybody who is actively playing Star Trek Timelines now. Right. And we've adjusted it so if you're going to be brand new to the game and you're coming through, you don't miss out on that. Uh, Saru is available to you as one of your first crew now. Wow. I, I want to ask, are, are we going to be able to get eventually Captain Georgiou? Because I cannot personally accept that she's gone. <laughs> oh, she's, 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 uh, she's, she was an awesome character. I think that it was, uh, I really hope that they have some more flashback scenes with her because mm -hmm. I think the relationship between, um, you know, Burnham's uh, kind of uh, evolution as a Starfleet officer is probably really affected by, uh, Cap you know, Captain Georgiou. Um, but uh, we have uh, we we can announce that uh, that she's uh, going to be a character in an event that's running uh, this next this next weekend. Yes, that makes me very happy. <laughs> that's excellent. My fan theory is that she's not actually dead. I think she's coming back. I want it so much. I hope you know. I would be okay with that. I would be all right with that. So talk to me about um, what we were talking a little bit about earlier, but didn't quite get to. As the show is coming out, you're sort of watching it with the rest of us. How does that process dovetail into any kind of new content that you might want to develop that has to do with discovery? Like, would you, would you sit down with the team and say, this stuff is all happening, and you go, we need to put that person in the game? Or how does that work? So we have a good idea in advance of who's going to be in the show. Mm -hmm. And we start making characters in advance, and we have a plan for when they're going to be coming out. Okay. So one of the things CBS does work with us on is making sure that any version of a character that we want to put there has uh, been seen in the show right. already. So we get those all set up in advance so we know what the art's going to be and we have a good idea but I think the designers especially have been doing a great job of watching and adapting because right. we know some things about them mm -hmm. and like they'll look like but if it turns out that they have a cool specialty or traits that we should reflect those are the kind of things that we work on more or less in real time 
Right. It's it's also hard to predict who are the fan favorites going to be. So I'm certain that as we watch some you know some of these episodes, there's going to be some you know unnamed crewmen or mm -hmm. or barely mentioned crewmen that we're going to fall in love with and we're going to want to make a version of because well we're fans too and we want those characters. Can you please put in? Um, do you remember the girl that was sat with the big mask that had the red alert on? You know the robot head with the red alert on her face. Can we can we have that person please? We're going to find out what her name is. I, as Currently calling her Daft Punk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because that's, you know, she was in it for, you know, less than a minute and um, has spawned a thousand internet memes. It's brilliant. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, so um, one of the big things that, that, that you're doing with Discovery is the is another mega event. So we've had a couple. Um, we came, Erin, you were on just at the end of the first one, the big Borg event, and you've had one or two since then, I can't remember. Um, and now this next one that is coming out, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Friday, the 5th of October, is that right? Uh, uh, it's 5th, but that's Thursday. Thursday. Uh, and it's going to be Discovery-themed. That's correct. We're really looking forward to this. We are going to do four events all together that have an overarching Discovery theme uh, that's called Discovery, A New Anomaly. And that plays off of the idea that new, well, we've had anomalies all throughout timelines, which is how all of these different people got together in the first place and why they're on your ship. Right. There are now anomalies that somehow are sticking to the ships and the crew and uh, makes it so it's harder for them to uh, remember parts of their past. So... Uh, Discovery a New Anomaly will take us all through what happens as members of the Shinjo and the Klingon ships and the Discovery ship all suddenly come into our universe. And that, um, like the previous mega events, is running for several weeks and a slightly different piece of the story every time. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, all the all the all the four events um, are a, a, a you know a sequential story that all kind of chain together. Um, there's some overarching themes mm -hmm. um, uh, through it, and um, we, we we are going to be having a um, a new five star character that is going to be available as a reward through all four of those events that will um, you know be available for you know you know hope you know just participating in the event and playing it and enjoying the story. Right. Can you give us a sneak peek of what you think is the best rewards you're going to get? I think it's the five star. Uh, I'm just going to say it. So Takuvma is our five star. I think he looks fantastic. Wow. In his really gothic looking golden black armor. So uh, I think he's absolutely worth participating every week so that you can work your way towards uh, using that Takuma or Takuma. It's fantastic. I mean, he's already immortalized in Klingon lore now, so you mm -hmm. might as well words of mortalizing him yourself um. <laughs> yeah yeah he was another character that i was not ready to say goodbye to yet and uh that's really really exciting that he's going to be available um and and that's that's pretty much for free isn't it that you can earn that by participating in the event uh, but we, we, yeah we, we target those uh, participation rewards kind of in the middle of the threshold rewards mm -hmm. so um you know it's uh you know as long as you're engaged and playing and enjoying the event um you know pretty much every player um, even even new players should be able to to reach it with just a little bit of uh, um, you know of effort. Yeah, um, a little bit of effort. <laughs> but but it's not it's not an exclusive something that you have to pay twenty dollars to unlock something like right. that. Yeah, right. because timelines is free to play, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, which is which is great across all those platforms. 
That is fantastic. So I love where the designers have gone and put that because I am still on the monthly card because I get a lot of value out of that dilithium, but mm -hmm. my husband is a free-to-play player and he loves these because he's able to pick up uh, at least four out of five stars on these mega events. Right, right. So let's talk about the mega events um, a little bit more in depth because when we last spoke, Aaron, it was just the end of the Borg event and you didn't really have a good idea of what we were going to do long term in terms of the mega events, but now they seem to be becoming a more regular thing. Are they going to become a regular thing or will it still be more or less ad hoc? We have the idea that these are going to become a regular thing. People have responded really well. People seem to engage with them over and over again. Mm -hmm. We got nice response off of the Klingon month that we did. And so I think that we'll see something very similar in Discovery. And we are even thinking about already what the next one uh, <laughs> is likely to be. And we're hoping that you would see that before the end of the calendar year. Oh, wow. So not, not too long then, potentially. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can just attest that the team loves making these, um, you know, the, the, the mega events. Um, mm -hmm. it, uh, it's it's greater for a little bit longer um, storytelling and um, and having a theme that kind of you know that works together. Um, yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, with the with the Klingon month, we loved making a bunch of new Klingon characters and having them do playing, you know, uh, you know, being the you know the soul of the Klingon Empire. Yeah. Uh, so we're uh, we're we're excited. It's. Uh, we we would prefer to do these all the time, but uh, but they but they do take some investment from the team, so uh, they won't they will they won't be every single weekend, but uh, but but I, we enjoy making them, so I don't so see us stopping right away. Yeah, fantastic. And what's the response been like uh, from the players? Have you been seeing the growth that you expected coming off the mega events um, and and also the Steam launch? So it is really exciting to see that there are still more Star Trek fans out there that <laughs> are wanting yep. to come and play. We're also seeing a lot of people who might have joined us a year or more ago who uh, fell off that are coming back now. Right. And especially as we see people being able to play more cross-platform, like having Steam come in, we're seeing people start playing even more. It turns out <laughs> like four out of five of everyone who plays right now plays every day of right. the week. And it seems like right now they're out there telling their friends and people are getting really excited about Discovery. And so we are seeing uh, more players coming in from mm. that now and more people coming back. Right. Well, you guys have made it um, really, really easy to stay involved with the game because you can do it from your computer. Um, from Facebook, from mobile, it's um, it, it's kind of hard to leave the game actually in a in, <laughs> in one way. Um, and are you seeing people making use of the cross-platform play? Yeah, we see people who use use the cross-platform play. I think that um, I, I, we even see it in the office. Uh, mm. uh, you know, there's a. Uh, you know, they're you know when you're at lunch, people will be logging in on their phone, but they may be running it on Facebook to run, you know, to check in on their voyages. Um, you know, when you know when they're at the office on a break. Um, so I think that that's been a I, I think it's been a hugely positive um, you know change. It allows players to play kind of um, you know at you know at the tablet at home, on the phone, on you know on you know at lunch. Um, uh, I don't I don't think there's any negatives to it that we've seen <laughs> except for some yeah. of the investment yeah. we made into it, but yeah. but it, it's paid off. Absolutely, it has. I I like it because I like it on my big monitor when I'm playing on Steam, and so yeah. I do that at home because 
I think that it looks so pretty. <laughs> I no, I agree with you on that because, um, well, I've said on this show before, I, I have a really old iPad, so I do play it kind of on my really old iPad, but it looks, but it looks much nicer on on my computer screen. So I actually prefer playing it through Steam. So, yeah. Okay, well, uh, thank you very much. I just want to uh, wrap up here, um, give you the opportunity to ask me any other questions, or uh, if you guys could tell me how players can join in on Star Trek Timelines, what's the best way for them to get started? We recommend that you go to your preferred app store, whether you're on Google Play or you go through iTunes Mm -hmm. and download the app. It is absolutely free to play, so just go install Also, if you're looking to get information on the really cool things that are upcoming, join our bridge crew and uh, read our new cadets manual uh, so that if you're returning and maybe it's been a little while, you need to get back up to date or you're a brand new player, it tells you what to do and you can find that cadets manual on disruptorbeam.com. Okay. And... Can you just clarify what the what the the bridge crew is? That's that's your email list, isn't it? Yes, that is yeah. our email list, and we send out information about all our upcoming content and our new features. And anytime we have big releases, everyone there gets that information first. Yeah, I just wanted to say that. I mean, like it's it's. I think that one of the reasons why we've seen such great growth uh, of the game with uh, with all the different platforms is that we're we're really you know we're, we we want to make this game for the fans, and it's a great place you know on your phone or on your computer to be able to participate and join a fleet of other Star Trek fans. You can join a Klingon themed fleet, or you can um, you know just you know just hang out in in, in global chat and uh, and critique my you know my work on characters. So. <laughs> I'm not sure you want to invite that kind of uh, that kind of feedback. <laughs> I don't think I have to invite it. So <laughs> fair enough. Well, Aaron, Mike, thank you so much for joining us on Priority One. I appreciate it, and hopefully, we will get to talk to you again very soon. Absolutely, pleasure as always. Thank you very much. Thanks. Well, that's it for this week's Star Trek Online and gaming news. Now it's over to Jake and Cookie on the promenade. Hey, welcome back. I'm Jake Cobb. And I'm Cookie Cupcakes. And this is The Promenade. Cookie, come here. Jake, what's up? Shh, shut the door. Okay, what's going on? Hey, I, I need some advice. Oh, of course. What can I help you with? All right, so I've got this buddy, Talk. And he's been riding me real hard since Star Trek Discovery came out. He keeps asking me to say hello, and then he raises a brow and gets all vulcan and whatnot. Like my normal human hello isn't good enough for him. Your human hello? Yeah, because I'm just like, Durr, hey. But when he says hello, Klingons blow up. You know, the Vulcan hello. Oh, yeah? Seems a little snarky for a Vulcan. <laughs> That's talk. Anyway, I really want to spice up that human hello. I'm thinking the next time he asks me to say hi, I pants him. Yeah? Pants him? Yeah, yeah. Then I yell, human hello! That'll show that logic elf. Look, Jake, I kind of like the idea of spicing up the human hello. I'm just not sure pulling his trousers around his ankles is what we want humanity to be known for. Really? Because, oh hey, talk, swoosh, human hello! I sort of like it. If I ask you not to do that, 
I have a really bad feeling you won't listen to me. Human hello! I thought not. Look, Jake, instead of uh, pantsing a superior officer, how about next time he asks you to say hello, you say tonkpe, which is the direct translation of hello in Vulcan. That should get under his skin a little, and a lot more appropriate than undressing him. I think we should agree to disagree. Please don't pull his pants down, Jake. Let's get to it. Let's talk about art. It's the cause of many awkward gifts during the holiday season. (laughs) It was my favorite subject in school, aside from lunch, and nearly everyone has a form of it in their home. But do you have any Star Trek art? No. Well, to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Star Trek The Next Generation, artist Dusty Abel created a set of beautiful TNG-themed prints. You might remember him because he also created an anniversary poster for the 50th anniversary of Star Trek The Original Series. And it was awesome. Right. But the TNG set has two different prints. One with heroes and one with villains. These high-quality posters feature cartoon-style depictions of pretty much every TNG character you can think of across all seven seasons, along with several ships and objects. It also includes a signed key that tells you who and what everything is. The hero poster, of course, has the entire bridge crew, along with the main regulars we all know and love, but it also includes people we may have only seen once, like Stephen Hawking. I was pleasantly surprised to see him there. Along with Hugh, the reformed Borg that started a revolution. But some people I wasn't so sure if they were heroes or villains. For instance, Minuet. She was created by the Binary to help them steal the ship. Better yet, the binary. Are they heroes or villains? (laughs) The artist made the choice for us, but I think some of it is up to interpretation. And just as interesting, if not more so, is the second poster. It's a who's who of Star Trek The Next Generation antagonists, and it's not only beautifully drawn, but full of both the unforgettable and not-so-unforgettable TNG foils. Larissa, Beethoven, Lacute as Q and Lore, of course, are present front and center. But the poster also sports others. Ira Graves of The Schizoid Man, the dying scientist that took over Data's body. Yurina, the first one from the forgettable Code of Honor. Sir Guy of Gisborne, the jealous foe of Robin Hood, a.k.a. John Luke Picard, and Cupid. It also adds characters that make this poster difficult to call it a villain's variant. Poor, affected Neanderthal Riker from the episode Genesis was just regular old Riker affected by an alien virus. It also includes, in my opinion, the most misunderstood character in all of Star Trek, Captain Edward Jellicoe, from the memorable Chain of Command. This isn't a review of the episode or the character, but because of Jellicoe's inclusion, I will human hello anyone that suggests this is a villain poster. But I digress. Yeah, I don't I don't view Lacutus as a villain. I'm sorry. No, right. He was That's just That's Captain Picard. Right. <laughs> Poor Captain Picard who was beat I up know. by the Borg, yeah. Who was still inside. He was still there. He was still somewhat mm-hmm. anyways. And the pack led, they got the pack led on there. They just Pack yeah. I guess they are. Yeah, kind a of. little bit. They're just so dumb. They don't know anybody. <laughs> right. They're like my spirit species in Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, it does mention that there are only 1,800 of these printed, so these are pretty rare. Heads up, collectors! The set retails for 99 US dollars, and it sounds like there might even be more to come from this artist based on the quote found on Roddenberry.com. Abel said... I'm so glad to have had the opportunity to create these pieces. 
They've only gotten my mind racing about even more subjects and themes to tackle going forward. Well, we're looking forward to it. Yes, we are. Yeah, he's got some great work, and it's, it's a cartoony, but very distinguishable as the characters that he tries to create. It's really, really good. So there you have it. Human hello! Links to the items discussed can be found in the show notes, so please be sure to check them out. Have any comments about the segments or anything discussed here in? We'd love to hear them, so let us know what you think on Twitter, Facebook, or in the comment section. And remember, you keep an eye on the stars. We'll keep an eye on the market. Until next time. On screen. Now, let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Discovery. Episode 3 of Star Trek Discovery opens on former Commander Michael Burnham on a prison transport shuttle in distress. Just when things start to look desperate, they get picked up by none other than the USS Discovery. After a terse introduction to the security staff, Burnham meets Captain Gabriel Lorca, a self-proclaimed mysterious man with a highly suspicious standing desk and a cooing tribble. He makes it clear that he intends to use her expertise to help with operations aboard this brand new science vessel. Burnham goes to work in astromycology, and we establish quickly that A, no one likes her, and B, there's something seriously weird going on in astromycology. When the Discovery's sister ship has a tragic accident, Lorca sends Burnham to assist with the recovery, despite Lieutenant Stamet's protest. Aboard the USS Glenn, the hapless away team encounter twisted corpses, the result of an experiment gone horribly wrong. But there are also Klingon corpses, not killed in the experiment, but by something else, a super-powerful creature that can tear through the walls of the ship. Burnham bravely distracts the creature to help the away team escape. Back aboard the Discovery, Lorca reveals that he's been testing Burnham and that he intends to keep her on the crew. He explains that his experiments, the ones that destroyed the Glen, could turn the tide of the war that she started. Burnham isn't happy, but she accepts. In one final twist, we find out that Lorca has captured the creature from the Glen and is keeping it aboard the Discovery. Here, kitty, kitty. <laughs> yeah, apparently it's coming back as well, several times. Apparently it's a key character oh, yeah. for the rest of the series, oh, so yeah. yikes. Mm-hmm. Yikes. So... All right, before we get into our personal reviews, I do want to try to pinpoint some Easter eggs or touchstones that we uh, may have noticed whilst watching the episode. So uh, first and foremost is the callback to Amanda Grayson mm-hmm. and Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, that was totally awkward. Kind <laughs> of shoehorned well, in there, I thought. But um, it was a nice little touch. Right. Now, this goes deeper, Tony, right? This goes deeper yeah, than the whole, that, Amanda well, Grayson and Alice in Wonderland? Not deep, well, not as deep as the rabbit hole in Alice in Wonderland. Uh, no, nice. But, uh, <laughs> no, but there's a throwaway line in um, one of the animated series episodes about how Spock's mom liked Lewis Carroll. And uh, if you want even a deeper cut, and this will become, I think, important, this may become important later on, in the novelization of Star Trek II... Uh, Spock and Carol Marcus and David Marcus share a little bit of uh, uh, of, of camaraderie in the uh, uh, some other Lewis Carroll um, writings about uh, mm-hmm. uh, snarks and boojums, which uh, which uh, which we'll we'll talk about this one when we and we go into the next section that uh, Kenna has notes for I think a little bit, but yeah. Uh, but yeah so th- there's some Lewis Carroll connections with Spock and Amanda Grayson. Uh, that I thought worked pretty well as she was crawling through a Jeffrey's tube. Yeah. You know what? That anim- the like monster animal thing? 
totally a Jabberwocky. Totally it, a Jabberwocky. Very well. Yes, there. See, <laughs> you heard it here first. A Jabberwocky. <laughs> the other little touchstone, if you noticed, when Stamets hands over, hands burn him over a disc, a solid. Well, it's a solid disc, but it's translucent and very reminiscent of the old tapes the that TOS used. Yeah, same size, same mm-hmm. shape of the old tapes that, you know, are reminiscent of our floppy disks. He hands him a disk. It's translucent. It's a little more, you know, cool and, like, hip and with it. Yeah. it you can almost think of it as a natural progression to what we then, what we now have our, as isolinear chips. Yeah. But it's that's definitely a callback, this little cassette tape or floppy disk that gets inserted into a console like they like they had it in TOS. Yeah. Also, he's got a triple on his desk. <laughs> yes, he's got a triple on his desk. I won't Can shut you just up. keep a triple on your desk? Like, d- uh, surely that's, I mean, do they need a litter tray or something? I don't know. Within easy reach of a big freaking bowl of fortune cookies, you're just begging for trouble at that point. I know, I know. I wonder what the buffs are if a triple eats a fortune cookie. <laughs> well, obviously, Let's luck. Not Plus one to luck, yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, now, now here's something that some people may not have noticed. At the very end, when we are in Lorca's menagerie, and he goes, hey, here, kitty, kitty. Yeah. There is a Gorn skeleton. Is there? Yeah, baby yes, Gorn there skeleton. Is. I did I not notice that. that either. Yes. Yeah, there is a Gorn skeleton on, on display in his menagerie. And baby also, one. in addition... There's also a dissected Tribble. You can't really see it in the filming, mm. but uh, in After Track, they um, they showed kind of making of and you know the behind the scenes. And there's a picture of a dissected Tribble on a on a on a platter, so to speak. But the Gorn thing, that's interesting because what it does is that it it kind of it adds a layer of depth to Lorca, mm. right? That we humans may not have engaged the Gorn until the arena in TOS when, yeah. when Kirk engages, but that doesn't mean that Lorca doesn't have access to weird back channel things. Hmm. And as he says, he's willing to do anything to win the war. He's willing to bend the rules. So here's his menagerie full of these things that that no other Starfleet captain may have ever even seen or heard of before because he's willing to push the limits. They did an excellent job in this of making him really just make your skin crawl for a number of different reasons. They did an excellent job. Um, I'm really excited to see what they do with his character because I have a feeling it's not going to end up the way we think. No, because he, he's, a, he's an antagonist, he's but that doesn't necessarily make him a villain. Yeah, exactly. Well, right, he is yeah. morally ambiguous, right? You know, yeah. or or what's you know what's what is it? Chaotic. Oh yeah, chaotic he was, he's totally neutral. probably he's he's probably uh, chaotic neutral. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's that's that's good storytelling, that right? Is it's good storytelling. It's, all right. So moving on. Can okay. We, so yeah, we get to, we get to we she gets on board and she starts noticing that this ship is just a little different than other starships. We've got security teams with black comm badges, which, oh my god, I want one! I want one, too! <laughs> Point of order, they're not and comm badges in this no, they're right insignia. now. They're just badges. That's true, they're insignias. They're, they're just, just badges, stinking right? badges, okay? That's all. So they got black shiny badges, 
which are nice. Mm. And then we have things like Black Alert, yeah. like the 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 ship <laughs> the ship registry is ten thirty one. I'm thinking. What, what are you guys oh, thinking? What are you guys thinking? Oh, I hate it. I hate it because it makes me think that Tony's gonna be all smug. I'll be just but a little smug. Be, a little it's bit. Just, a little it's bit. Got all, it's got all the hallmarks of Section 31, hasn't it? Yeah. You know, they've foreshadowed so much this creepy stuff going on, and they've said it won't interfere with anything we already know about Star Trek, and it's a new special niche, and it just has all the trappings of this is going to be either the beginning of Section 31 or something no, in the middle. No, I don't it, know where... I don't know no, they, they, had, they started, had 31 in a couple episodes of Enterprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, did they? Okay, yeah. fine. But yeah, yeah there's... there's um, yeah, there's definitely something uh, something sketchy going on. Yeah. Highly likely. I think the, the twist now would be if it turns out that Section 31 pops up in Episode 9 and goes, What are you guys doing? This is way <laughs> too dangerous for us. What is all that? we got to shut this down. This fungus thing yeah. is way out of control. That would be the twist. Yeah. <laughs> now, I have, I have a, a theory. I have a theory. Yeah. When, when the whole spore thing was starting to get introduced in the episode... Uh-huh. I and, and she walks into the hydroponics bay with all the after the breath analyzer. The ah, breath yeah, on. after the breath analyzer. You know, and then and then Stamets has an exchange with his colleague aboard the Glen about, oh, you know, that's because you're growing your own kind of not thing. Not growing your own. I not yet. Yeah. I I get this I got the dis, I just the Genesis project mm-hmm. came immediately to mind. There it is, kids. Interesting. And so my foreshadowing is that this is the precursor to proto matter. Well, it's the mm. it's the it's the precursor to the Genesis experiment. Proto matter was yes, the specific yes. chemical or whatever that Marcus used to solve his problems for his part of the project. But I think, but yeah, I think it's highly likely that this they're going to connect this to the Genesis, shall we say, of the Genesis project. Right. Now, here's why. Here's why. So, Kenneth, first of all, they go to Black Alert. No, I know. I know. But they go into Black Alert, right? Something goes horribly wrong where all living creatures on the ship die. Then this massive monster that that Lord, that Jason Isaacs, during a TV Guide interview, calls a tardigrade, ends up evolving to be this monstrous beast that can cut through the hole. Now... Thinking if this is Genesis, the project itself from, from from Wrath of Khan, we understand as there could be no living creatures on the planet. They can't. Because something catastrophic could happen, like a mutation Ooh. or horrible deformation of living creatures. Now, if a tardigrade is essentially invincible... That can that can survive virtually every condition mm-hmm. thrown at it. Then one could postulate that the, the the black alert experiment went horribly wrong, and the tardigrade mutated into this monster. And this is this ends up being the genesis to the genesis, like Tony said. That's my thought. I don't. I, I'm fit. Uh, I kind of get where you're going. Like a mutation, State Farm is there. <laughs> nice, Jake. Jace. Nice. Um. <laughs> The, the I'm failing to see the connection with the uh, the spores that travel through space. I didn't quite get all of that. So um, 
I think we'll have to wait a little bit I'm, to understand I'm, I'm a guessing, bit I'm guessing that because uh, we don't have a warp spore uh, and we aren't traveling at fu uh, Fungus Factor 9 <laughs> by the time TNG rolls around, uh, that the whole spaceship drive aspect of this doesn't quite turn out to be the way they expected. Because remember, they got scrunched. Uh, okay, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. When they tried to jump, they got scrunched. Uh, so, yeah. or, you know, it, oh, and it, it may be, you know, bad side effects like the speed limit thing in TNG that everybody thought was dumb and then eventually mm. just ignored. So, I mean, there, there could be that there are that there are consequences like tardigrade mutations uh, that make the the drive part, you know, not so great, but that they separate the useful part from the Genesis stuff and, and move that along. So, <laughs> and Elijah's laughing again. They all got squanched. <laughs> I was gonna say that. I just finished season two. I was gonna say squanched, but I thought that would be a bad idea. It would it would create problems. All right. So, what were your favorite moments, Kenna? Why don't you go? Um, I, well, it's not so much a moment as a person, but I completely love Cadet Tilly. <laughs> she's fun. I love her. I love her. I think. I mean, first of all, she's just very sort of sweet and likable. I think she's she's played uh, very warmly that you sort of want to. Want to help Barkley. her or something? D uh, yeah, very reminiscent of. But you know what else but I love? With a spine, she's Barkley with a spine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's got a little. She's got a little moxie in there that I like because you can tell she's nervous. You can tell she's kind of a little stressed out. But she, you know what? She's straight up. She does tell Burnham, "You're you're in my bed." <laughs> you know, it's it's cute. And you know what I love? I love that she's got insane hair and like super bad skin and as a little pale ghosty person like gingers unite i love it i love it <laughs> she's like a normal person yeah like yeah. barkley was right yeah yeah she's i mean you might we'll see how her character develops because there could be the argument that she's becoming a little bit of a mary sue character but um because she's the everyday whatever but um i don't know i i just i like her i think her character and the fact that she features prominently and respectfully is um is, is a good step forward until she pulls 15 wesley crushers in a row i think we can leave the mary sue talk alone i don't i don't see that being a problem right now <laughs> but that's what that's what i mean i think you know we'll see how the character develops Winters, what was your favorite part of this episode? My favorite part was when Lorca was talking to Burnham and he said that I will use you or anything I can get my hands on to achieve my goal. I, I thought that Lorca, at, in that moment, he reminded me of Sloan from Deep Space Nine. And I really, really oh. thought Sloan was fantastic. The Section 31 guy? Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was my favorite moment, and that's who he reminded me of. And I just thought this guy's pretty badass. I would agree with Winters on this one. We've met the antagonist, and it's Captain Lorca. And Star Trek has always only been as good as its villains. And I know Lorca isn't going to be your usual quote villain. You know, he's not going to wear a, a hat and right. be all dressed in black, but. He, I think, is going to be the series antagonist in a lot of ways, and mm -hmm. uh, he he played very well opposite Burnham in the in the uh, in the ready room, and I think he was uh, you know he has he's establishing tension with uh, Stamets, you know with the uh, with the with the mm -hmm. fungus dude, and he's also I think he's also he's kind of mycologist space fungus dude, um, <laughs> yeah. and he's and he's also kind he's of a, showing he's a fun guy. 
<laughs> fun guy. Yeah. He is a fun it's guy. A, That's true. Could have made such a better joke about that. I, God. Yeah, space Missed opportunity. Oh. I'm sorry. Carry That's, on. Um, yes, yeah, so, and, and I think he's <laughs> he's sort of he's got a weird relationship, a weird passive aggressive relationship with Saru too, and I think that's going to be interesting because Saru's like, I've seen what happens when you are disloyal to your captain, and that didn't turn out well for somebody that you know, I knew once upon a time, and even if Lorca starts to push, I think Saru's going to be like, well, he's the captain. You know, we got to do what we got to do because he's captain. So I think there's a lot of Lorca is sitting himself in the middle of a web that I think is going to be very interesting when he starts pulling strings. I have another favorite thing. I'm sorry. Can I just interject? <laughs> Did you see at the end when uh, uh, Saru was putting salt in his tea, like loads of salt? Yeah. <laughs> just got such a kick out of that. Just thought it was hilarious. I'm sorry. Carry on. So what's your favorite part, Elijah? My favorite part is actually it's not it's not a part but a person. My favorite, like all of my, us. My VIP, my VIP is that Klingon, man. <gasps> yo, that Klingon, yo, he was... <laughs> Did he just shut <laughs> Yeah. And, yeah, yo, most That's valuable so... player, that Klingon, yeah. man, seriously. He gets the Woo. Golden Tribble Award this week for he that does. guy. He does, totally. <laughs> yo, it's important for Star Trek to have tardigree. a little bit of sense of humor. Oh, yeah, definitely. That was it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, that of was course, exactly. of course. Yeah. So um, here's, I, I think that Lorca is going to make us as an audience question, like, who's the villain here? Is mm -hmm. it the Klingons or is it, is he the one like fueling this fire? And that's the thing about good storytelling is that, you know, wh who, who is the villain? Who is the antagonist? Is it the Klingons? No, man, I think it's Lorca because Lorca's willing to kill men, women, and children to win the war. I hypothetically speaking uh whereas klingons are are in the war because they feel threatened who's right who's wrong what these are questions that i'm glad star trek is is exploring mm. because we had questions like these in 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 things like battlestar galactica actually battlestar galactica yeah <laughs> <laughs> we, really is really what it was not to is we had these questions of really it, who is Gaius really just evil, or is he just looking out for himself, right. or is he being manipulated by the by mm -hmm. by the god? You know, uh, you know these these are questions that that make for really good storytelling, engaging storytelling. Remember when we interviewed Richard Hatch before he passed away yeah, about Tom yeah, Zarek? Sir. I mean, we we talked specifically about that about and and Hatch who played Zarek never saw Tom Zarek as a villain. He saw him as a guy who wanted to get things done and saw problems with the power structure, right? Well, that's kind right, of, you know, Lorca right. sees problems with all the goody two-shoes federation he rules and all the stuff where you're supposed to be doing nicely by the book. I have a single mission and I will do whatever it takes to get it done. Um, yeah, right. And that, so I, that he, the, even, so those best villains don't see themselves as villains. They see themselves as somebody no, right, with right. a need, a calling. Uh, so I think that's going to be a, a source of good storytelling. That, that's, that is actually um, a, a theme that is my biggest takeaway from this whole episode. They're setting things up in a way that there is no black and white. Um, and so for me, that's what I'm looking forward to for the rest of the series. You've got these characters that every one of them is both good and bad. And there's no black and white. It's a lot of gray area here. And I think there's going to be a lot to chew over. Well, Captains, that wraps up our discussion and review of the third episode for Star Trek Discovery titled Context is for Kings. If you want a more in-depth and longer hour and a half long discussion of that, 
We encourage you to check out our Patreon page at patreon.com where Tony, James Lee, Al Rivera, and I go in-depth on this episode of Star Trek Discovery. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See? We are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Episode 336 didn't have a community question, but we always want to know what you think about Discovery, Star Trek Online, Priority One, or any other Star Trek consumable you're passionate about. From PriorityOnePodcast.com, Chiyo Yumiku says, Amazing podcast as always. I was so glad I could support P1 and spend six bucks a month, yes, I don't care if ads play, and enjoy the premiere of a fantastic trek. I love it so far and can't wait for more. Happy 30th birthday, TNG. Happy 51st birthday, Trek. And here's to 50 more years. Live long and prosper, Priority One Podcast. Here, here. I don't know that I can do this for another 50 years, guys. Yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. Elijah. Elijah will be in our will be in our nursing home beds. They'll uh, they'll have to like wheel over the, the computers to us. We'll have the the, the, <laughs> the the nice little beep, the heart monitors in the background. <laughs> From Facebook, Chris Trone says, pre-show feedback. Looks like Tony may be right about Lorca being their antagonist and Discovery being a Section 31 theme. Also, is it too soon to ask for a Captain Giorgio spinoff? I would pay money for that. Actually, Chris, you drive a lot, right? You have to, you spend a lot of time on the road. Um, I strongly recommend the Discovery novel by David Mack. Actually, I'm going to send it to you, Chris. Incoming transmission. First of all, I like it because I'm getting Discovery in between episodes. Mm-hmm as I listen in my car on the way to and from work or rehearsal. But there is a lot of ex... ex I don't want to call it exposition, because when we say exposition, there's almost like a negative yeah, connotation yeah. to it, that it's like overdone. An exposition in a book is completely but there different. Is, yes. Yeah, I, I, okay, you're right. So there's a lot of exposition in the relationship between Saru and Burnham mm-hmm. and, and Burnham and Georgiou. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really it's I don't hate it. I really don't hate this book. It's an easy read and it's filling in gaps and it's actually giving me a a uh it's enhancing my experience watching the episodes. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm curious I'm curious if Jace feels this way too because Jace read the book like in a night cuz he's a speed reader. And I, I like it, it does it it influences how I see Michael's interaction with Saru, Michael's interaction with Georgiou in the mm-hmm. first two episodes, it just, it, it's really good. So if, if you get the opportunity, if you want an audiobook, download this David MacBook because I think it'll really enhance that experience. And stay tuned next week to Priority One because Jace will be giving his review of that novel next week. From Facebook, Matthias Wuthrich says, I think with episode three, Star Trek Discovery made some things crystal clear. It proved that Star Trek has arrived in the 21st century and it's here to stay. Booyah! So excited for a show that is not afraid to get us out of our comfort zone and spicing up the story by destroying long-held assumptions. People have emotions, are scared, are insecure, and yes, have an agenda of their own. Like DS9, I think Discovery will be pretty honest about that. For me, this episode was a mic drop episode. I loved it. This should have been the premiere episode. This should have been the one that they broadcast on TV to get TV to get people hooked because it's got all the little all the little plot hooks, all the little character questions, all the little breadcrumbs that send you off down all the little trails. This one should have been the premiere. 
yeah, I really like this episode as well. I, I thought it was much better than the first two by leaps and bounds, and it definitely got me hooked. I don't know, man. I I'm not. I don't. I don't subscribe to that entirely. I think that there was enough in the first two episodes to to, to bring people in. Here's the mistake I think they made. I think the mistake that they made was not releasing the first two episodes to the public because once she's captured, that's that's the climax. That's not that's not the resolution, right? That's not the final act. Her 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 uh, conviction in front of that tribunal. That's not the resolution here. That's just the beginning. That's just the the the, 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 the start of this story. And I think that if they had shown both those episodes, then people would have been like, oh yeah, well, you know what? I'm gonna actually subscribe or I'm go I'm going to to, to to make take that leap. Here's what I'm gonna do. We're gonna run an experiment. I'm I'm Captain Lorca and I'm gonna experiment on another human being. Okay? Worse than that, I'm gonna experiment on my own mother. <laughs> because she was a Star Trek fan from the old days, like the TOS days. She watched the episodes broadcast live on NBC back in the day. I'm going to show her the third episode. I'm going to show her this one and ask her if she wants to watch more. Mm-hmm. And then once if she if she's hooked, great. Then then we'll watch the rest of the season and go through. And then I'll show her the first two and ask her if it made any difference. If she goes, meh, I could do it without it, or yeah, it's all right, or whatever, then I'll say, okay, that's fine. Here, this is the prequel. Now do this one and see what happens because I don't think I don't think the prequel makes a spot of difference if you start somebody with episode 3 I think that they will be more than hooked my prediction is she'll be hooked and she'll want to see the rest of the, the series and just not care about the first two episodes well we'll have to see won't we so this week we held off on Title It Tuesday because our fearless comrade Elijah posted some really exciting pictures from the Parsippany convention one of our favorite pictures was a black and white of Elijah facing off against the dreaded Queen Arachnia. And Garrick S31 on Twitter was kind enough and evil enough to send Star Trek Timelines artwork of Captain Proton and Dr. Chaotica to help. And finally, our Sunday survey question was, of course, it's time for another hashtag Survey Sunday. This week, we want to know how do you feel about at Priority One Pod moving from Monday to Friday? Comment. And out of 39 votes, 26% love it. Hashtag weekend kickoff. 10% hate it. Hashtag miss Mondays. 56% doesn't matter. Hashtag P1 whenever. And 8% you change days. Hashtag who dis. <laughs> I love I Seriously, Jake does a phenomenal job with this stuff. It's just so witty, and I loved yeah. it. So, well, Captains, we're glad that you are not as distraught of our day change. Thanks. Thanks for sticking with us. Yeah. Well, that wraps up episode 337 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. For more great podcasts like Mission Log and Women at Warp, visit podcasts.roddenberry.com. But before we go, we can't forget to send a special thanks to our Patreon supporters like Navy Boat Slew, David S., and Admiral. And to our new Patreon supporter, Sergio, all the way in Brazil. Thank you, buddy. Muchas gracias. Before we go, here's a reminder of what our community questions are for this week. 
Which unused Star Trek stories do you think could have made for great television or for Star Trek Online? And what are your first impressions of Season 14 Emergence in Star Trek Online? Where do you think the story is going next? Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or tweet us via at PriorityOnePod. Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Friday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Tuesday nights at around 11 p.m. Eastern on Facebook. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And if that wasn't enough, you can join us in Star Trek Online in the Priority One Armada. If you're interested, just head over to PriorityOneArmada.com and sign up today. And don't forget that every Saturday night, the Armada takes to our Twitch channel for some in-depth playthroughs of Star Trek Online. Follow us on twitch.tv forward slash priority one. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by, well, you, our listeners, via patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at patreon.com forward slash priority one. And captains, even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about this show. And invite your fellow Trekkies, because it's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at GuardFrequency.com. Covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Thanks to our audio team, led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker and Jake Morgan, and with support from Midnight Shadow 7, of Sweet Media. Thanks to Jake Morgan as well for spearheading all of our social media endeavors, especially those Title It Tuesdays and Awesome Survey Sundays. Thanks to our graphic artist and web designer, Henry Pomper. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to Patreon associate producer, Navy Boat Slew. But most importantly, captains, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community and our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. Kenna, why don't you tell us what we've got coming up this week? Yeah, I will totally do that later on this week. Uh, totally well. This is Kenna Intro Supplemental. Well, this week we trek out the latest viewing figner... Fig- figners. Ugh. Do you want me to sweep us out? Yes. She just sweeps out. Yes. Yes. God, that means I have to say multiverse. <laughs> yes, you do. Uh, it's either that or track nuggets. This is Elijah. Trek it out. Sync one. 
This is Kenna. Trek it out. Sync two a little bit late. This is Tony. Trek it out. A wizard says sync three right when he means to. This is Winters. Walk it out. Sync four. According to Todd Spangler in an article <laughs> Why did posted you read on that with t- such disdain. According to Todd Spangler, <laughs> <laughs> it was so such disdain. He I was know, such a jerk in high school. <laughs> yeah, that guy. This makes zero sense to me. I'll explain it to you later, Tony, when you're older. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. 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 Normally, that's the sort of thing I would just let go because it it is good radio. It's kind of a zinger. That was pretty good. (laughs) This is Elijah. In closing, sync one. This is kind of closing, sync two. This intro. is Tony not introing the closing sync three. This is Winter's the end sync four. The end in three, <laughs> two. This is the song that doesn't end, it and it goes on and on, and my, on friends. my friends. <laughs> Some people singing, start not knowing what it was, and now we're gonna go on forever just because. Just because this is a song. Hey. Hey, I went. To, I went to closing without having to without singing. Oh my God, you did! Wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's yeah. gotta be a milestone or a record of some kind. Red alert! Enemy bidet on sensors. Enemy bidet on sensors. Plumbers to deck fourteen <laughs> That's on the double. Gross. We got a floater. <laughs> Everybody hit stop.